Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did You Know What way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine St. Clair. All aboard! Not that anything is normal about us, but you look gorgeous. I love your top. What is that top that you're wearing? This is uh, just um, a spike bra. It's a bondage spike bra. And it's it's actually hard spikes, not okay. those like, you know, little rubber things. It's, it actually hurts. <laughs> but oh. it, it's, it's cute. I have them in every color. Once I like something, you know, I just like load up on it. It's 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 a habit, a bad habit. <laughs> so I have a lot of spikes and bondage gear and all that stuff laying around with everything, clown stuff and everything laying around. <laughs> it's like, it's a mess in here. Like so. I didn't see a lot of you until the past year, I guess you just, did you just resurface or have you just been doing this and I just haven't really paid attention? Like, let no, me know no. I, asking about you. <laughs> yeah. I've been, uh, God, I, I've been doing a lot of stuff actually for like the past 12 years online, including, uh, you know, the whole incident with Mick Foley and all that. Like I was talking about that incident for a long time, actually, before uh, I, you know, got sick of it and went down there and (laughs) let my voice be heard. And then everyone was hearing it. So that was like, you know, but we were talking about it a long time before any of those Me Too issues or anything came up. So I was like real pissed when people were like, oh, you're only talking about it now because of the Weinstein thing. I was like, I don't even know who fucking Harvey Weinstein is, you know, because I, I really didn't. Honestly, I, I, didn't ha- I had no idea what was going on with that situation. But it was like, um, I guess people started to notice that I had resurfaced uh, for that in particular because I was so so pissed and offended by what he was doing with rain that I was like, you know, this is not going to stand. So, um, yeah, I I mean, I was doing stuff other than that. Like I was filming political events, uh, every weekend I was in DC uh, up until January 6th, actually, which (laughs) I got all the footage of. I was like, uh, the one that was told all the reporters were told to move away, press, get out of the way. And I was like, I'm not pressed. I'm just some asshole. So I'm just going to stay here and, and film what I what I came to film. And I filmed until they start dropping the tear gas and pepper spraying people. And then I was like, you know what? It's time for us. The mayor alerted the phone and was like, you got to evacuate. I was like, okay, well, we have enough. <laughs> so, you know, that, that was a good time. Uh, yeah, but as I far think- as the wrestling, yeah, it just kind of, you know, started doing the conventions more recently starting with the big event and that that was really exciting because I got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in like forever like got to sit with Tony Schiavone I haven't seen him since I was a teenager you know that was great so uh it, you know it was a, and, and I got to see you of course that was wonderful so uh you know it's good experience so far just I, I originally just was like oh, I'll do the conventions and everything but now it's led to a little bit more but you know we'll talk we'll talk about that Oh. Yeah, no, this is good. But the Mick Foley thing I didn't know about. And first of all, people are coming out 54 y- years later after like Romeo and Juliet. So really anyone can come out anytime they want to, I guess, because there's some people where it's a free for all. 
like only mm -hmm. some people it is a free for all the Weinstein case it was one girl after another but there are a lot of opportunists with you I I mean you're not like that a hundred percent so you have your own reasons for doing what you did but this political thing has me highly interested because I have a show on Rumble as well um, oh, yeah but I gotta ask you so did you did he try to get into the to the Capitol? Like I would have tried. It just seemed like they had the doors open, like anyone could walk in. It's so funny how people knew where to go in. Like, what was that well, feeling the, like? The thing is, like, I I was hearing from like a couple days before, like Roger Stone was a little antagonizing people a little bit, and uh, you know, there were burning flags at the, at the, at that point. Uh, so uh, we rushed down there at like four o'clock in the morning. So we got there and there was already like mobs of people, uh, you know, in fields playing music and, you know, it felt like, oh, this is a gathering. Everybody's having a good time because when you go to like, you know, a right wing uh, event, a lot different of an environment, a lot different of a feeling uh, that you're surrounded by um, <laughs> rather than being attacked by Antifa and everything and all the other functions. So uh, we get there at four o'clock in the morning and everything was great. And at first it was about the, uh, I don't know if I could even say stop to steal. Um, whatever, and that's yeah. What, yeah, that's what we were covering. Uh, so it escalated from covering, you know, stop the steal and everything about that to just like, you know, the Proud Boys March. I got all the Proud Boys March. I walked backwards while they walked forwards. And then I was like twice, still twice as quick as them. Uh, so I got all their footage from their the beginning of their march to the White House uh, and everything in between the groupers and, and their whole uh, event. Uh, they, they were on stage to, just kind of trying to block me from filming, but I still got them. Um, they were real picky in who, who was filming them. But once we did get to the Capitol, um, once we got to the building, uh, I got up the steps on one side. And you can see clearly in the video that I, I continued to go until green gas started dropping down from the front of the building. And it just like it engulfed us. You could see it in my camera, you, like just coming up in my face. And I was like, you know, I came here to film, but I'm not getting gassed because I saw. And then, you know, we went around the other side and it, it just escalated from, you know, people it, it just cutting down fences and inviting people onto the lawn. And uh, then finally up the steps where they heave hood in inside um, for that portion, I, I was within a, a, a distance to view, but I, I did not go up there because there were people running by um, myself and the crew that I was with, and, and they were they were all pepper sprayed and screaming, you know, and trying to pour milk on each other because they, they were prepared for it. And uh, a few of the guys that I got, the Proud Boys, um, Ethan or Dean or whatever, saying these guys are going to prison. You know, they're 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 going to jail for a long oh, time. I uh -huh. And I was probably the last people to be right in their face getting footage of them. Uh, of which, you know, I think a lot of the charges are, are really overblown. But um, there was a massive amount of people there. It was a situation that totally got out of control real quick. And uh, as we were leaving, oddly, I I, I was filming. There was huge big stains of blood on the ground, on the concrete. I have no idea where they came from. But then we started hearing shots being fired. And, um, 
you know, more gas started rolling down. And I was like, and then the mayor said, you got to evacuate. And I was like, okay, we got about enough of this. We weren't really supposed to be there anyway. So um, I wasn't about to actually go into the building uh, because I, I did see people getting squashed on their way up the steps. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not in any kind of shape to, <laughs> to get in between that. So I, I knew when to leave, but um, you know, I, I was there for a historical event that not a lot of people can say that they got footage of from beginning to end, literally, um, you know, every step of the way. So I mean, at least uh, I'm happy that I got to get that before, you know, I stopped filming political events altogether. <laughs> well, it's so weird. And I get like chills thinking about it because I've had a few um, J6ers on my other show. And, you know, I was watching on TV, everything. I love that glass. I don't know what's in it. Is that a cotton candy martini? It's well, not, it's not, not alcoholic. Okay. Yes. So, so. it looks good though. So Thank you. I am. Um, I've got to get one. Uh, then, you know, you see Nancy Pelosi, like just getting up so calmly, like, she, like she heard what it was and she just like gets up. Okay. You should have had the national, the security, uh, the security there that you needed. You should have had the national guard. You didn't have the national guard. You got Absolutely. up way too calm for someone that was compromised just as soon as they're presenting germane information regarding things. Right. Mm -hmm. So now I think all the truths and components are finally coming out, but it makes us conspiracy theorists. So I guess I'm a conspiracy theorist, right? I don't know. Right, a Nazi, a conspiracy we're theorist, not, we're racist. racist, we're white it, all of those things, all of yeah. the above, right? If, if it's not uh, fitting to their agendas. <laughs> yeah, they start throwing labels and everything. I love that because I spent uh, years actually being um, like trampled down by communists and parades that I was filming and, and different events where they were literally coming after me and not only in person, but online and uh, attacking me and threatening me and the, how they were going to ruin my life and blah, blah, blah. And it's funny, as they did this, they spelled my name wrong. They spelled it in a way like Ormarosa. <laughs> and I was like, first off, you, you might want to start by spelling my name right. And I, I, I spelled it correctly for them and invited them to come and get me as they kept threatening to do. Um, and as I saw that they weren't doing that, I went down to Love Park here in Philadelphia and I screamed my head off for about 47 minutes about, uh, you know, what pigs they were and how what a shame they should be of themselves. And, uh, you know, of course, everything I do usually gets down, taken down off the YouTube, uh, you know, real quick for my opinion, but I, 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 you know, I still have it and eventually I'll pop back up there, you know, got a whole lot of views while it was up there. So I'm satisfied. <laughs> you should like, you should start posting all the stuff because it's such a hot topic now. And then now, you know, just with these mentally ill men, like dressing up, going around little kids, it's like, if he, they're going after these nuclear families, they're trying to dismantle them by going after the most vulnerable part of it, which is a kid, right? Right. Like, that's reasonable and, and, to say. 
and children, children are our future. And this is how they're trying to change our future is, is by uh, like just changing everything that past generations have, have taught us as being like, you know, this is taboo. This is normal. Like there, there's a, there's a certain level of acceptance to, to everything. Like I, I'm, I don't discriminate against people for, for certain things, but then there are certain things that I do. And I, I don't discriminate against gay people or the other 17 things they want to identify themselves as. But when you start bringing children into the mix and try to then um, make them recognize something before they're even ready to deal with that. They're not ready to look at their sex and their gender and their sexuality when they're five years old. And you shouldn't have anyone, uh, a man dressed up as a woman in a library telling telling them story time and while he's trying to confuse them and they can see his balls hanging out of the bottom of his skirt while he's trying to tell them, uh, you know, my name is uh, Madame Moselle or whatever fuck they want to call themselves. It's, 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 it's gone too far um, to a point where it's almost like uh, it's, it's too forceful. And it's, it's like everything about it. It's like on TV all the time in the news, even being crammed down our throats. Like how much more are we going to accept people? We accept African-Americans. I'm half African-American. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not playing any kind of card here, but we there's, it's been a long time that they're accepted into society and very successful and rich in our society. So not sure exactly uh, what all the newer complaints are about as far as like, uh, you, we're not equal, like you're, you're more than equal, you know? And, and as far as uh, the, the gay and the LGBTQ community and, uh, and all that, it, it's like, listen, we, we see you because it's impossible not to. We hear you because again, it's impossible not to. And, you know, I think that this is, it's, it's more than just like this past year, we've been seeing this and accepting it. And it's been uh, pushed in our society and put on our TVs. And, and now, unfortunately, in our children's schools and libraries, even, I think we've accepted enough, you know, like, <laughs> when's it going to be too much? Like they, there's literally young men, YouTubers that are dressing in full drag and being encouraged to do this, not only by their parents, but by these sick ass followers who are predators, who are just like, you know, preparing them for their future and like talking them into you're gay, you know, you were born gay and this, and it, it, this is, it, it's a, I'm sorry, we're going. Oh, I love this. this. It's a, it's a long time, but I, I got a lot to talk about, but it, yeah. you know, it, it is ridiculous. Um, but we're moving along with the times and what used to be taboo now is just uh, the everyday normal uh, for everyone. And, um, you know, being crammed down our throats a, a little bit too much. And if they want to talk about acceptance, then we'll let them know about how long we've been accepting way too much and we're eating this and it's disgusting. It's, it's too much. Do what you want to do, but do not involve the children in that. You let them make their own decisions and, you know, don't corrupt their environment is the thing. Once you start corrupting their environment, then I don't want to hear about 
your personal struggles as uh, a, a, a certain letter that you want to put on yourself in the alphabet to describe you, what you are or who you are. You could be a fucking uh, alien bisexual unicorn for all I care, but don't involve the children in that. They shouldn't have any letters in that alphabet when it comes to this subject. They shouldn't even be talking about like sex like that. They should be aware, but not brainwashed into, uh, you know, just getting into it too quick. Because I think a lot of people got involved in, um, in their lives, like myself, in, 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 and maybe as yourself, I got involved a little bit too early, maybe in, in sexual activity. And back in our time was a, a lot different about, you know, how bisexuals and gays and it was only like you were straight gay or bisexual or you know and and that was it. that's what it is that yeah is what it and, is. and and that's still it's just that like all these other labels that are being thrown into it this is just something special they want to do to get a, to get attention but um involving children too early is just gonna be such a disaster for the future it's already like looking so so glum it is as far as these children go and I, I really do hope it gets better I don't see it getting better but I it's, I hope it does you know? I'm hoping I mean because they should be teaching teaching them how to write cursive teaching them the map um you could even teach them grammar proper grammar that is proper punctuation proper spellings and so forth and how to write script but hold on instead these people they're coming after your kids they're coming after people's kids. They want to chemically castrate them. Then they want to put these things down their throats saying, oh, well, we have to teach them acceptance at an early age. No, no, no. Because if every girl that was a tomboy when she was younger had her, an extension of a penis put on, I mean, it's not like that. We don't like little boys at a certain age. They don't like little girls at a certain age. Does not mean you're gay. It's just we think you have cooties when we're that young. <laughs> exactly. it's true we do I did not have sex till I was like 16 or 17 years old with my very first boyfriend you oh. know I really wish that I got around a lot more but I'm making it up making up for it like way like now I'm trying to make up for it but let me tell you looking at guys my age naked oh god it is oh. a disaster right it's a handful of them that are that are hot but here we are like putting ourselves together going to the gym I'm taking my HGH I'm taking my NAD I'm doing everything I have to and then a looking gorgeous oh thank you but so are you. as always and these 38 year olds it's like you're too old buddy it's like look you you then they got the dad bodies and shit like that you know I don't get it and that's a that's another thing all the acceptance, Body about acceptance bullshit, the dad yeah. bods and and the the fat acceptance uh, let me let me tell you how sensitive I am about this being uh, a person who's been nearly almost 400 pounds and as low as like uh, under 100 pounds <laughs> having you know going up and down in, in my entire life and a lot of times losing opportunities for different kinds of work because I was too fat at the time, you know, and that's not what they were looking for. Uh, a lot of times later, I got work by being big when other girls weren't, uh, although that they were big, but that was because of my connections and not so much <laughs> my size. But I did lose a lot, you know, of, of, of work because 
I, I wasn't the right size for people. And as I tried to adjust my size, it, it was like, it, it was never good enough because I, I've never had plastic surgery. I'm not like, you know, I, I don't have like friggin' a million dollars to lay down and get a whole bunch of shit done to me. So, uh, you know, I, I just had to go with what I had. And now it's like, like they're even naming portions of the body that are supposed to be so attractive and in and trendy, like hip cleavage, like bitch, that is the bottom of your fat ass stomach. Like as a fat person, hip cleavage is you not being able to do enough fucking sit-ups to get rid of that shit. And you need to change your diet. And if you think you look good, fat, squeezing into a size a large when you're like a size uh, 18 or 24 and you got it all hanging out and you're talking about I'm proud of my body and I'm, I'm positive and nobody can tell me I don't look good no I'm telling you you don't look good you don't there's a reason why people weren't used back in the day uh looking like that and there's a reason why they shouldn't be used now and they want to like defend it to the very end talking about, you know, oh, well, I'm proud of my body and I'm healthy. Like you can't be healthy and look like that. Uh, what's your name? That Godzilla oh. girl that was a Godzilla. What's her name? I have big no giant idea. black girl that Megan plays- the Stallion. No, 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 no. Some Godzilla girl. Godzilla. Does that sound familiar? I don't know. Doll. I saw her and I was like, I can't believe what I'm looking at. She's wearing like a new bodysuit that's like, you know, you could see through that shit. And, and and it's like, there's shit everywhere. Like there's rolls of fat everywhere. And you're up on stage doing this for people to see you. Like, I don't, I don't want to see that. And I'm not going to be positive about it. I'm not going to encourage you about it. I've been that big and I, I was, I, I didn't feel it. I wasn't feeling everybody else loved me that big, but I did not. It's not healthy. And if for a minute they're trying to defend themselves saying that it's it's sexy and trendy in any way, like, uh, all right, yeah, 2023, it's a real good time. <laughs> like, yeah, well, now we got to deal with it. It's a problem with that because uh, you're then encouraging younger girls to be unhealthy. And by the way, surgery in Turkey is super cheap, by the way, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it's super, it's way cheaper than USA and the doctors are phenomenal. Um, but, you know, these, you're promoting unhealthy uh, mentality. Then there's a whole thing of laziness that comes there next. So in order to get to Z from A, I have to look like this or be like that. Well, I don't want to do it because that's offensive. So you don't do the work to get there. So you're basically encouraging people like that are encouraging a whole generation of laziness lazy yes yeah lazy yes sit exactly. on your ass at home and do nothing and yeah let's just let the whole world go by us because we are too lazy to do anything and you know then we're, we trigger them that way and this is this is exactly you know i don't know by the way i don't ever recall you being 400 pounds um at I nearly know, 328 i think was my highest when i was on jerry springer I don't, what was that like on Springer? Like, what were you even doing on, yeah, why um, were you on Springer? <laughs> well, initially, uh, Madman Pondo got me involved with them. Uh, this guy, Scott, he was a photographer since he was 14 years old. He was obsessed with me. And uh, I was doing a whole dominatrix thing then since I, you know, I've been involved in that area of my life since I was a child. So uh, they were interested in the story and making it more of a, you know, 
comical and exploitive story. So uh, I went with that. And then after the first show, they actually uh, put me on to a team to get people to come onto the show. I had like a few different wrestlers booked on there. And I recently talked to Colcabana, uh, stopped me at uh, the, the big event and was talking about, oh, remember, you know, with the Springer stuff and how you, you know, took that church and made it into a wrestling school. He was just going back, bringing me all back into all kinds of stuff. But the Springer stuff, um, I brought people in. I, I, you know, I did a lot of stories, like, you know, literally got on the stage and acted out stories for other people to learn from me to act out their own stories. Uh, and uh, I, then I was on like five episodes. So uh, some of the, they said some of the more uh, higher rated episodes that they had. So, um, you know, it was fun. And I'm, I'm still in contact with the producers and everything. So everyone's real, real nice. And That's awesome. I would totally go back on there after all these years. I mean, I wouldn't be the freak show, you know, like I was in the 90s, but I don't know if they ever do follow ups and stuff like that. Um, now, when I first met you, you were wrestling, obviously, and I think it's great you got into politics. I think we all need to get involved. And, and here's the other issue, just bouncing back to that. The problem, you know, here's the problem with conservatives. And I'm this is coming from a conservative, by the way. I don't use the rhetoric that they all do with Christianity and all this other stuff. That's fine to believe in something. But no matter what part of the um, where you are politically with things, whether it's Democrat, liberal or conservative, you should never, ever have like your religious values push other people out of the party or the, the, you know, the support for the party. And that's one of the biggest flaws is the rhetoric that some of these hosts use. God, this, that. OK, great. You don't want to speak to the president of whatever, let's say, of uh you know, X, Y, Z, because they're gay. Okay, great. That's fine. But why? Because he, he stands for the same values you do and is fighting for the same things to make America great again. And, you know, have a steady system of, you know, economics here, have more jobs here, have this protection we need for our kids and for our borders and so forth. But yet you don't want to, you know, be accepting of this person. That person is going to turn the back, their back on the party and flip to the other side. And that's why right. the biggest problems is the rhetoric that they use or some of us use I should say um I wouldn't say I use it specifically but I just know some people out there do I just have to say that um, you know it's really ashamed about this and, and I, I'm sure you remember a time when it was actually uh an inappropriate topic there was like uh, so many things that you couldn't talk about especially being an entertainer or being in front of a camera at all you were not to talk about sex, religion, uh, politics, mm -hmm. you know, there were certain things that were just a huge no-no. And now that we've moved along uh, ahead so much with technology, giving us things like YouTube and, you know, then and giving us these phones that could just record anything and people everywhere can just, you know, spread around their opinion and their fake news and whatever it is they want to say. Uh, you know, it's not like it used to be now. It's more like if you don't have some sort of uh, opinion on what's going on, it's like, oh, you know, you're blind and you need to open your eyes and stuff like that. But then some people who then finally are pressured into opening their eyes to the situation, see what's going on. And it does tend to make 
people of, of, you know, sometimes their own party feel a little bit uncomfortable about the things that are, are being allowed to happen in society. And hopefully, you know, with this next term coming up, we could get somebody in there who will change things around and we won't have to worry about, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just like, we're, we're crumbling here. It's the Department so of Defense, you mean steal it, like someone's stealing suitcases? <laughs> what a freak show. It was so funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping so. And it's just, it's annoying when you have that one friend, well, they didn't get a vax because they're a Republican. No, it's not even that. It's just some people are afraid of needles. Some people don't know what's in these experimental vaccines and you don't know you don't know so i put things in my body before i shouldn't have like hgh i do that on a daily basis i put hcg in my body i put all kinds of crazy stuff but those are bigger needles and i i, I had blood work the other day i almost ran out of the chair because i get scared of, of when they do that to me it's like i have amazing veins but it's just when she stuck me i'm like okay this is enough i don't need to see this <laughs> See, I'm the complete opposite. I'll yeah. look towards it. I have to see it coming out. I have a thing for blood. I have to see it coming out of my body. Uh, needles don't bother me at all. But uh, yeah, as far as the uh, the vaccination thing, it's like it's one thing that you are, um, you know, it's your choice to stick yourself with the things that you want as your health program provides. But uh, as far as people telling you that you need to do something, uh, th that's probably the best way to get me to not do something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think a lot of people feel that way. It's like, tell me I need to, and I'll tell you I'm not going to. <laughs> or you tell your, if you're married or something, you tell your husband, hey, um, I need you to take out the garbage. And they're not going to do it. They probably aren't, right? <laughs> I don't know if they do. I of have course. no clue. You I could tell them. You need to just be really cheap and don't go shopping with me ever. And then they'll take you shopping. Right? Sometimes. I, I, I suppose. Different strategies with different people. I got to learn these strategies because I just don't think they're working these days. Now, how did you, what have you been doing wrestling wise though? Like what, I mean, it's, it was so great seeing you at big event. I'm like, well, is she back? Like, where is she working? Have you called any, have you gone to AEW? Have you even like approached AEW to have you come there? You'd be perfect. I think. I, I have not. I actually, in, in all the time that I've worked in wrestling, I've never actually tried to get jobs with any promotions um, especially like WWE, like then back then WWF, I never tried. And um, coming back around this time was more of a suggestion because I was doing a show wrestling rewind on uh, a, net, a network of people that had YouTube and all kinds of, you know, outlets that we were on. So I did that show with Tommy Cairo. And as I was doing the show, uh, there's a few promoters that I interviewed that suggested I start doing the conventions because Tommy Cairo had done them and he wasn't very successful, unfortunately, N not sure why, but, uh, you know, uh, Eric Sims had been the first one to ask me and I was like, I really don't want to do that. I've known Eric for 30 years and I, I got an endless amount of stories to tell, but um, didn't want to do that at first. So uh, it, my friend Ricky had hooked me up with uh, Kevin Nasta, who brought me to the big event. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed myself there. 
And from there, it was, uh, you know, different people asking me if I wanted to uh, come to this fan fest and this one. And, and I was like, okay, you know, it's, it, I'm not really doing anything else. <laughs> so it's stuff, stuff in my live streams. I do my YouTube, of course. But as far as wrestling wise, um, you know, after your show, your show, the 3PW show yes. was actually my last uh, wrestling event. Really? Which, yes. Which Why? was uh, sort of special. That's why it's so special to me. And um, I, I wrestled the Rock and Rebel on yes. the show. Oh, and oddly, my first event in wrestling was in ECW was with Rock and Rebel when he ripped my shirt off. Yeah. And then my last event in wrestling, wrestling him at your show in that same building. So it was a uh, sort of, it, it was lovely how, how my beginning and end came together in that building. <laughs> so, uh, but it, yeah, it was, uh, it was sad. Really interesting time. Very well, it was super sad what happened to him too. Um, like that was not something I was expecting. I'm like, whoa, that was crazy. And I think I posted like a photo or something and, oh, that's offensive to his family. I'm like, what the fuck? I said, look, all I know is it's sad for everyone involved. And if I want to post a photo of my friend, I'm going to post a photo. You can't tell me what to post and not to post. And Facebook had a bunch of like complaints about it. I didn't take it down though. Um, I'm so sure that he wouldn't, he wouldn't have minded. He would have actually been looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was just terrible. I mean, tragedies happened during the pandemic. How did you get through the pandemic, by the way? Like, what were you doing to stay entertained or just to work? Well, uh, <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot of live streaming, a lot of, uh, well, I, I wrote a book. I have not, I've yet to try to publish it, but it's, uh, you know, the it's things keep happening so it's it's odd how i haven't been able to end it so i'm i'm, I'm just looking around how now to change the end of it because so many things have changed within the past few years and uh during the pandemic it, it gave uh gave you a lot of time I don't, I don't go out a whole lot anyway to be honest with you um Aside from if I have assignments, I will go out. But uh, be, even before that, I was before pandemic, I wore masks all the time because I would pick up sicknesses constantly. So uh, you ever see me in a mask? It has nothing to do with Corona. <laughs> I just used to wear masks all the time. But um, during the pandemic, uh, me and my daughter did a lot of uh, live streaming and collecting different videos that I was a part of in the past as far as wrestling and MMA and uh you know some uh, film gigs yeah I had here and there commercials and bondage films and collected it all in in one little pile and uh aside from the book that I was working on we started working on some videos so um I I'm almost finished an entire DVD collection I tried to cram everything into 10 DVDs. I'm not sure how, how people buy DVDs anymore, but just to have it solid as something as a compilation, uh, I did that. So um, I got some of that done during the pandemic. And, um, you know, I tore up my own lawn and <laughs> regrew my entire lawn. So I had that to do. And um, otherwise, it's just, it's really easy for me to be alone and kind of like, I have so much going on inside my own head that I don't 
really need uh, much to occupy me. And if there's things going on outside, I don't find it so much of um, a problem for me inside. <laughs> so, um, you know, people were, you know, I, I got, of, of course, I, I got sick several times and from people bringing me into my house, but, um, you know, I, I, I didn't mind not going out. It didn't, really it didn't bother me it didn't drive me stir crazy like other people in my area were, were like going mad about it and I'm like me I'm used to staying in so it didn't even really bother me but I did keep myself occupied a, quite a bit so not too bad who trained you to wrestle that's what I forgot to find out from you I always wondered like who trained like who taught her uh well let's see I started out as a as a heckler like a front row heckler, um, mostly at NWA shows. So in local civic center stuff. And I went with my family. My father was like best friends with Dennis Carluzzo and Larry Sharp, who were running the uh, NWA and uh, Larry Sharp over there always ran small shows out of his gym. It is out of the monster factory. So uh, after a while of being a fan, just like uh, part of like a, a radio show fan club that we used to travel everywhere, like as far as Memphis. And it just started when I was like uh, 12 years old. Like I, I got involved in the fan club. I started going to wrestling when I was 10, got involved in a fan club at 12. And then we were on the road traveling everywhere to see wrestling, like Memphis, USWA and Barnyards and War Games and Nassau Coliseum, like all kinds of shows. So I uh, went from that to Dennis uh, Carluzzo and Larry Sharp started to put me on their independent shows locally and school shows as a you know, timekeeper and then announcer. I got to do the announcing a few times. And then uh, they, we used to do the ring card girl thing. You know, I was a ring card girl. So uh, it, after that, then I did some school shows. I was actually the first manager of the Pitbulls in, uh, in Larry Sharp's school. So it was kind of like getting me prepared for working. And then when I turned 15, I was on uh, my first show as a manager, managing a guy named Jimmy Shoulders, who later went to uh, WWF as Cloudy. He worked with uh, Sonny and Skip when they did like the cheerleading gimmick. He was like a big... Uh, cross-dressing bodybuilder that he wore like a cheerleading outfit you know it was really weird stuff but when he was with me he was just like a big juice head that I led to the ring for a battle royal you know a few times and that's how I got started uh, managing so I was a manager and then uh, it, a wrestler shortly thereafter on a few independent shows locally, just to kind of try it out because I was uh, working with Larry in the school over the bridge. Uh, a lot of times he would, you know, I would go when people were still training and then when they would leave, we would have our one-on-one -on -one time uh, sort of agreement. And uh, then later on uh, I, I wrestled and then I got to ECW and there uh, I held so many different positions there between the locker room and uh you know larry taught me a lot and you know being able to promote shows and then make myself useful in so many other ways in the business so that you know i, I wasn't limited 
uh, and Dennis, uh, the same. And Dennis was like a big protector and watcher over me, made sure that I always got, you know, what I needed and where I needed to go. But uh, once I got to ECW, because I had known Paul Heyman for so long, uh, since my preteens, uh, he put me in a position of, uh, you know, disrobing me and get my top ripped off. Not him. He was it, part of his idea. Yeah. Mostly Eddie Gilbert. Uh, that was more of a Dusty Rhodes, Eddie Gilbert sort of thing. When I was introduced to ECW was I, I went to Todd Gordon because I was sent by Gary Juster, who I used to travel with Gary Juster in a group of groupies, including Bruce Springsteen's secretary. And we just sat in the front row for every event, you could see us at every pay-per-view sitting in the front row, uh, hard to miss this. And, um, you know, we would then, you know, be of service as, as you might say, I was a teenager at the time. So yes. that it was you know, pretty much, you know, my role in, in the whole thing of which people think I'm so bitter about, but it's not about being bitter. It's just facts. I huh. was what I was and I own it. Uh, if you want to call it a rat, call it a rat. But I was a teenager. I wouldn't rat. go that far. No. And, and, and the queen of it, <laughs> if, if I must say. Um, so some people call it molestation. Other people will just attack me and call me a whore for it. However you want to look at it. Uh, that's in, in a way that I became about getting into wrestling uh, with the 20 plus uh, wrestlers that I serviced during my teenage years. And uh, then moving into ECW was a whole different era of where uh, Paul, because I was uh, still under the impression of our relationship being the same <laughs> as it was when I was a teenager, pretty much just let him talk me in anything and I would do anything that he asked me to do. I did, I did people's hair, I did people's makeup. I made costumes, uh, the whole public enemy thing. I, you know, I, I gave out all my ideas. I worked on editing shows and getting people what they needed. And then when it was time for me to start working, boom, the top came off. And, and that's like, and that's what I was uh, useful for at that point was to just prove a point to Dusty Rhodes, you know, because he said no women would ever actually be nude in wrestling. So well, that, that was my point to prove at 18 years old uh, for my first show at ECW. And um, well, were you totally naked? I forgot or just top no. Off. I was supposed to be, but I had shorts on. They just ripped the top off. So the rebel actually tried to get the shorts off. Oh my God. But it, they were not rip away. And it was just like, okay, it, it's over with. The top was enough of a shock for everyone. And, uh, you know, after that, it was just like, uh, then the incident came with the blood. I was supposed to do this whole uh we've got a work up of like I was supposed to do this feud with Sherry Martell and her and Medusa had like you know different problems Medusa didn't show up and Sherry then took it out on me and then you know that came to my blood incident in November to remember 1993 which a lot of people don't go back that far to acknowledge for some reason this past year they have been because I've been talking about it for so long but uh previous to that kind of ignored you know so I was the first girl to bleed in uh in the United States let's say I won't discredit the Japanese of course because they were doing that a long time before I was but um yeah so I was the first girl to bleed in the United States I was in Bangor magazine for that several times 
and baseball did a focus on me in Japan, which uh, then later on opened the door for me to get into Japan as a wrestler, shoot fighter in, uh, in let me see, 1998. So a lot of things just from that blood incident kind of opened a few doors for me to then, uh, you know, be addressed as the original queen of hardcore. And yeah. it's just a death matches. Uh, there were no other girls doing it, you know, especially an 18 year old little girl was not willing to, you know, <laughs> do a lot of things, but I was. So, uh, you know, and nothing was beyond suggestion at that point. And uh, for someone to say to me, are you willing to do this? And it had anything to do with me making contact or smothering myself with my own blood. Unfortunately, I was a very ill child that had a, a fixation with blood. So it, it wasn't something that I really minded doing anyway. It didn't take much to talk me into it. So uh, when, when I did do it and I was actually covered with my own blood and tasting it and feeling it, it was uh, more, people were crying for me and it was more of an excitement. <laughs> Than, than anyone thinks. And people are like, why did you let them talk you into that and do that? And I'm like, <laughs> you have no idea. It didn't really take too much, but fun times. And that's it's how I got known to be like that person who would come to your show and you were guaranteed to see either bare tits or blood, you know? So. Well, that's a good company. I mean, it's sex and violence. They both sell and you know, it is what it is. Like people use this term ring rat loosely. I don't like, I know what a ring rat is and I know what it's not. You weren't a ring rat then just to, you know, right. just, I think people just want to find something to say to seem relevant. And I mean, I see it. This is the first time I've seen a lot of girls do blood matches, like death matches as an XPW because they're all doing it. I have no problem stitching someone up after a match and cleaning that shit up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have a pro giving someone a shot if I need to, but I do have a problem with my own arm, like being sacrificed for like a blood test it's not really a sacrifice <laughs> or sticking a needle in me for an IV infusion. So it's just, it won't, it doesn't go down too well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So having, yeah. probably having your face full of blood would not be your thing. <laughs> it wouldn't be good for my acting career and it wouldn't be good for, um, I'm doing stuff with a skincare line in Iceland. So right after Jersey, I go straight overseas to Iceland for like four days cool. on business. And it's good. It's like a quick trip. It's like five hours, four hours away. And I'll see like nice big Viking guys. Um, so anyway, <laughs> what are your plans now with wrestling? And Hold on. Anybody tries to make you bleed, you let me know. I'll fucking kill you. I'll <laughs> fucking kill you. You go near my girl. Thank you. <laughs> but moving on, uh, my plans for the future. Yes. yes. I'll fucking yes. kill them. So my plans for the future. Uh, let's see. Uh, I recently was talked into doing uh, a little bit of a comeback and for good reason. And I will be managing uh, Nunzio in his first intergender match with Angel Orsini, uh, who will be managed by Jason, of course, it, it, her old manager. And uh, Kristen Wait, Nino, Jason Knight? 
Yes, Jason. Oh Knight. my God. Yes, he will be working on the show. This show is to benefit Balls Mahoney's family. Oh. It is uh, a tribute memorial cup. It's a, a big battle royal that uh, different participants are going to, you know, just take advantage of and they win a little cup at the end so we're going to do that we thought it would be nice for john and his family to do this i've worked with balls mahoney uh as everyone knows balls mahoney i worked with john reckner as his real name is through every gimmick he ever had from Santa claus and a buddha sing and uh then you know balls mahoney and i worked with him in every gimmick uh he worked for me when I ran TCW, which was a, back in from 1993 to 1997 under the NWA banner, uh, he worked for me uh, the, every show the entire time. And then again, worked for me when I started running shows back in 2002 in MCW. He actually had um, the, the Candido kid there training him for a while before he started. So uh, John was with me for a long time. We known each other since we were kids and I, it you know, hit real hard when he passed. And now he's got a, a kid, um, 15 years old, smart as could be, great with video. And really he wants to do a documentary about his father. And we are gonna start uh, helping him out with this show and moving forward to, uh, you know, help him out with his documentary and so forth. So I will be in a match. If you could listen to this, I will be in a match managing Nunzio against Angel Orsini. And reasoning for this being is that, uh, and, and I'm sure people are, are, me and Angel Orsini have had our differences in the past. And everyone's like, well, what does that really go back to? And uh, me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell it like it is because I can't help but not to. <laughs> so when I left ECW and my last event there was uh, the, the caning of, of like a massacre caning that actually disfigured me in my vagina. But wait, that's a whole other subject. Um, and then I had the Hack Myers thing where I, I almost broke my neck getting pile driven because I couldn't lift my legs. Whole other incident. But, um, oh shit, what was I talking about? <laughs> Angel Orsini. Yes, and moving on, Angel Orsini, after I left, Jason, uh, who I was, uh, I was dating the whole time I was in ECW, and uh, we trained uh, quite a bit. Whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Whoa, you were, I think he's hot now. You were dating Jason Knight. Yes, uh, from uh, actually- uncut? From 18, uh, what's that? Is he cut or uncut? Because he's European. Oh, that, that's uncut. That thing looks like a like an elephant's trunk, baby. It's but but real big, like huge. Like he can he he used to take it and hit the side of his leg with it and cause like bruises on his inner thigh, just as a joke. That thing is huge and effective. But it, God bless him. You know, um, I know he's had some problems like in you know the past few years with some uh throat cancer and whatnot so but but he looks great you know looks great for his age and and you know getting better with age so bravo to jason who will be working against me so um as i left ecw jason was looking for a replacement for me admittingly from a telling from his wife and everyone his well his ex-wife then and everyone else uh he was looking for a replacement 
found Ajo Orsini, who previously was working uh, as Riptide, and he trained her as the protege within mind of replacing me. And then she quickly went from protege to being called Angel. And then I was thought of like some, like like I wasn't even there. She was signing autographs as, as like, you know, people come up to her with pictures of me in red, white, and blue dress. You know, the one I used to wear for promos and everything. And she would sign that shit. She said she was in L1 in 95 when L1 didn't take place until 98. I was the angel who was the shoot fighter against Yumika Hoda in, in that. And she said it was her. So all this stuff she did uh, within that time that irritated me and more or less took money out of my pocket, as far as I see, because a lot of promoters and fans were getting us confused. So, uh, you know, it's, it's like different kinds of wrestlers, but whatever. She might be a little bit better than me technically, but I was around a lot longer. Um, but, you know, people use her, she take money out of my pocket. So I decided as we're all coming together with uh, what's happening recently with the Women's Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, of which I am an ambassador to. So I'm supposed to be this person that's, you know, making everyone get along and everything. So we decided that after all these years to squash the beef and be like, okay, um, I'm doing virtual signings with people. I've like Jason Knight and Tommy Cairo and Gary Wolf and all these people booked that, that we're getting trading cards made for. We've got a whole bunch made. So uh, as we're doing this and I'm getting her stuff made for her and everything, like I think everything's going fine. And uh, as I was about to announce Luna Vachon into the Women's Hall of Fame at the Fan Fest at Icons of Wrestling, uh, you know, she was, she was like, oh, you know, are you okay? We're all about to eat something here. Tell you, but she gave me a protein bar. So Nunzio, who was there, says, you know, you shouldn't have ate that. Soon after that, I became violently ill. <laughs> we so I see this as I'm putting two and two together. And I'm thinking this, this fucking bitch fucking put something in this protein bar and make me sick. So now I figure says Nunzio being the, you know, local family that he is, I'm going to kind of bring him there to put her in her place and let her know that even though she might think that people get as confused enough to mistaken her as the queen, I'm always going to be the only queen of hardcore. And, um, you know, she needs to be put in her place and maybe taught that lesson. So I'm going to have Nunzio, like, you know, just take it out of her ass a little bit and maybe have a few surprises in mind for that match since it's been 20 years since I've actually been near a ring. So I plan to make it special, extra special, spectacular. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she'll be looking forward to that. Oh yeah. Thank I'm, you. No, this I'm is looking so, forward oh, to it. Sienna, I feel special that I just heard about this. Um, so I want to know where fans can actually find you. I need you to tell us what your plugs are and I'll make sure we type it in. But where can fans find you if they want to see you online and find out about your signings and keep up with you? Okay. I am on Facebook under just Angel Amoroso. I'm also on their Angel Amoroso verses, but you probably don't want to go on there because I'm never on there. Uh, that was an old show of mine. I'm also on YouTube under Variety Vault and also Marimu YouTube. M-A-R-E-U. 
I'm sorry, M-A-R-E-M-O-O-U-T-U-B-E, Mermu YouTube. I have a thing for cows. If you watch it, you'll get it. <laughs> I'm also like a, a political cow. I protested Jane Fonda and the Green New Deal in a cow costume. I was MAGA cow, baby. <laughs> I have to send you these videos. You're going to die. But uh, also, I am on Instagram at Angel Amoroso for you. And Twitter, even though I can't get in there anymore because they let lawyers into my account after the McFoley incident and then locked me out. Uh, you could see my old stuff on there. At, uh, I think I'm at Angel Amoroso one there. So uh, check me out on any and all of those platforms. Otherwise, I'm always doing live streams on Facebook for different holidays and, you know, political events and my birthday and whatever comes up. So, uh, yeah, mostly check me out on Facebook. I'm a Facebooker. What about um, OnlyFans? I do not do OnlyFans. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was really big into the whole domination and SM scene and all that back in the back in the time and I still do uh, have private clients that I take I do custom videos for and, and whatnot but they know how to get in touch with me you can actually just inbox me on Facebook and if you are one of those people you know who you are uh, let me take a look at your script and what, <laughs> what you want to see and I will either approve it or reject it easy as that wow well Thank you yeah. so much for joining us today. And I hope I see you sooner than later. And make sure to check this lady out like all over the web. And I'll be posting all of her links so you can just, you know, click on it and find her. And don't be a dick. Seriously, do not be the dick that you do not have. Yes. Did I just say that? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. As always, it was lovely to see you. And um, yes, hopefully we'll be seeing each other real soon. enjoying the ride on my crazy train Woo! please make sure to rate and review crazy train podcast take a screenshot send it to me in a dm via instagram twitter or facebook and i will send you a free goodie bag oh and crazy train podcast is now on youtube so subscribe crazy train podcast that's with a k on youtube for video interviews and never heard before interviews and some really cool bonus content. Woo!